This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be embarking on one of the lowest IQ videos that I have ever seen and probably have ever made a video on, and that is Sky Jatheny's anti-Christian nationalism video, his anti-Christian nationalism screed on the Holy Compost YouTube channel. So this is one of the dumbest arguments that I've ever heard about Christian nationalism against Christian nationalism, of course. And part of why it's dumb is because it essentially is arguing that using trying to get practical wisdom out of the scriptures is wrong. It's using the Bible to achieve worldly ends and therefore bad. But the, again, the problem with this is he doesn't understand the prosperity gospel and how it tries wealth to salvation. So because of these blatant misunderstandings, these dishonest uh, comparisons, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This is Sky Jatheny we're talking about. He's not someone to be taken seriously because he's a super lib. So we're going to be embarking on his low IQ take on Christian nationalism. But first, I will let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over our Patreon-like system at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That is the most you can do. But the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast if you're a listener, if you are new. So we're going to be talking about this video. It's called The Real Problem with Christian Nationalism. And it talks about pudding cups. So you'd love to see that. This pudding can help us understand Christian nationalism. I know you don't believe me, but I promise we'll get to it. Everyone seems to be talking about Christian nationalism these days. Politicians, preachers, pundits, scholars, everyone has something to say about this issue. Some of them are proudly wearing the label, while others are writing books to denounce the movement. One book is by Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry. Both of them are professors of sociology. In it, they define Christian nationalism as the belief that America has been and should always be distinctively Christian from top to bottom in its self-identity, interpretations of its own history, sacred symbols, cherished values, and public policies, and it aims to keep it this way. 
Now, some of you hear that and might. So I want to talk about definitions for a second. This is not a good definition of Christian nationalism. And the reason why this definition is not good for Christian nationalism is that it focuses on the American context. And to define Christian nationalism in a way that only focuses on the American context is kind of stupid because Christian nationalism is just a fancy new term for what Christians have really always believed about how Christians should interact with the state. Um, you know, Christians have always believed that if you, if a Christian arises to political power, they should govern in an overtly Christian way, uh, that they should use a sort of government for good, you know, as Romans 13 dictates. And th it's how this looks, you know, does that entail, you know, banning evil, punishing evil? Yes. Does that entail first and second table of the law? Probably so. So Christians have pretty much always believed that. Uh, you can go back even before Constantine and see that. Because again, Rome was only the third nation to make Christianity their official religion. They were only the third. They got the bronze medal in that race. Because people don't know history. So this is what Christians have always believed. It's kind of a no-brainer. You see it in the reformers, you, you know, who broke away from the papacy. And you don't see any disagreement until, you know, liberalism rises and then you get a, um, a principled pluralism approach to government that we see now. So that's really the only basis that, you know, this pietism that's in the church, that's really the only basis for opposing this. It's not a biblical basis because again, the, like, a third of the New Old Testament, not New Testament, a third of the Old Testament is about kings, if you think about it. So, uh, no real basis to oppose Christian nationalism in Scripture. It's just kind of what Christians have always believed. And this video gets into some dark territory. And again, Christian nationalism, just to define it, is about establishing or reviving a Christian heritage to a people. And this can be through the achieving of political power, uh, the establishing of institutions, and the spreading of the gospel, because that's how you Christianize a nation. So is it top-down or bottom-up? The answer is yes, because God works both top-down and bottom-up. God works both ways. And Christian nationalism recognizes that, whereas principled pluralism kind of doesn't. It says that everything has to be bottom-up uh, in order to be valid. That's not what you see in Scripture. So... These are the aims of Christian nationalism, establishing or re-establishing a Christian heritage to a people. And that's, you know, ultimately what a nation is, a people and a place. So that's why that definition is not good, but that's ultimately the definition that Sky Jatheny uses in his low IQ screed. And he wants to focus on denigrating white evangelical Christian Americans. I think... That doesn't sound so bad. After it all, wouldn't America be better if distinctly Christian values filled the country? Yes. But what exactly does that mean? For example, which Christian values are we talking about? There are thousands of churches and denominations in the U.S., and we're deeply divided over all kinds of stuff. Christians are split over things like gender roles, the nature of sin, the definition of marriage. Good grief, we can't even agree on how many books are in the Bible and whether we should take Sunday or Saturday as a day of rest. This is a Reddit-tier argument 
Uh, it's just, first of all, if you can't agree on marriage, then you aren't a Christian denomination, first of all. Uh, I understand, you know, recognizing that, you know, Catholics and Protestants, how is that going to work? That's a practical question, but he went a Reddit level and asking or trying to ask that question. He went full Reddit there. Never go full Reddit. Uh, so, but he's ultimately... What he's focusing on is minor differences in a political philosophy in which these things, these differences or these might be major differences between the denominations, but they'd be minor differences in how the political philosophy of Christian nationalism, this political theology is ultimately applied. Uh, the biggest issue would be Sabbatarian thinking, Sabbath laws. Um, how are we going to. Uh, adjudicate that in a public society with different views on that. So I would take a more ecumenical approach on that issue. But as far as marriage goes, that's pretty easy. The nature of sin goes. I don't see um, how that really applies because we're talking about crime for the most part here. And the Bible does prescribe sins for crimes and other sins for not crimes because uh, tan intangible sins are very difficult to criminally convict someone of. So these are very low IQ Reddit level questions that he's asking. And what about all of the fellow citizens around us who aren't Christians? What place do they get to have in a country that is supposed to be Christian from top to bottom? As you can tell, there are lots of questions and critiques out there about Christian nationalism. And most of them focus on how the movement is both deeply un-American and dangerously un-Christian. So another thing to note is that America at its founding basically had religious tests for public office at the state level. You basically had to be a Christian to have political power in the United States. Uh, this is something that's all forgotten, but is this something called Christian nationalism? Yes. So you look at the, I live in Maryland. So the Maryland constitution still has in it the, basically it says that you can't be an atheist and hold public office. I'm fine with that. Actually, uh, America was founded with that. Uh, and why not return to it? So those are my thoughts. Uh, Sky, back to you. And we've talked about it a lot on the Holy Post. I'm including some links in the show notes below the video with the best conversations and interviews we've done on the topic. But I want to talk about something Spoiler a little bit Spoiler alert, they aren't today. good. <laughs> I want to get to the real core problem of Christian nationalism, a core problem that I think often gets overlooked in all of the details. And that brings me back to the pudding. So buckle up, little more history here. Back in 1999, Healthy Choice Frozen Foods and Snacks launched a promotion that allowed customers to redeem barcodes from their product labels for frequent flyer miles. And a guy in California named David Phillips soon found a way to game the promotion when he realized that each individual pudding cup made by Healthy Choice had a barcode. And those pudding cups were just pennies per cup way cheaper than their larger frozen meals. So he bought over 12,000 pudding cups wherever he could find them, and his plan worked. In the end, he earned over 1.3 million miles, the equivalent of 30 flights around the world, and a lifetime platinum status with American Airlines. And he did it all with just $3,000 worth of pudding. Now, I mean, that's a W, but that's irrelevant. I mean, this is basically what Adam Sandler's character in Punch Drunk Love did. So that, that's basically the premise, and that's probably what the movie was based on. Um, good acting performance by Adam Sandler in that movie. 
Uh, Here's the important part. David Phillips doesn't care at all about pudding. In fact, he didn't even keep the pudding. He donated it to the Salvation Army. What he really wanted were the frequent flyer miles. The pudding was just a convenient method to reach his goal. It was a means to an end. The point of all of this is that what David Phillips did to pudding is exactly what Christian nationalism does to Christ. In the end, Christian nationalism does not really care about Jesus. He's not the goal. Sure, Christian nationalists may talk a lot about God and Jesus and biblical values, just like David Phillips was all over town trying to buy pudding cups. In fact, people started calling him the pudding guy because from all appearances, it looked like he was all about pudding. But underneath the surface, he had another goal in mind. And similarly, Christian nationalists may appear on the outside to be all about Christianity with their flags and crosses and signs, but deeper down, their actual goal is not Christianity. Christianity is just a device, a tool that they use to achieve their real goal, which is about cultural and political power. They talk So this is basically the argument that he's going to go on for the next six minutes. And it's not a good argument because, first of all, this isn't about salvation, this is about what Christians should be doing in a civil society. So basically, how then should we live is, you know, how, what, what do Christians do in the civil realm? How do we interact with the civil realm? This is a very important area in our lives. It is an area that God ordained, that God established, that God gave the sword to be his avenging angel. And that's the ideal conditions of government. It's not always the conditions of uh, how a government operates, but this is a very critical area in human life and flourishing that the Bible has a lot to say about. You look at the first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles, second Chronicles. Um, there is so much in there about how Christians should govern. That's just part of the Old Testament. You also got Joshua, you got the Psalms. There's so much in the Bible about how people should be governing their nation because so much of the Bible focuses on kings. So the idea that Christians shouldn't be using the Bible to govern and to govern with wisdom, because that's basically what he's attacking wisdom. He's attacking wisdom because these are Christians saying, how do we live in this society that we have representation in? We have political power that we can exercise how do we exercise that power? These are practical questions. This is wisdom that's being sought. This is wisdom that's being applied by Christian nationalism. And he's rejecting wisdom. Talk very little about a life with God, but a lot about all the blessings they expect to get from God for themselves and for their country. And here's the interesting part. When you actually read and listen to Christian nationalists, they don't hide this fact. They talk very openly about using Christian faith or using Christian values or using the Bible or even using Jesus to get what they really want, which is a country that looks more like themselves. There's a race For example, angle. Stephen Wolf says, Christian nationalism is a totality of national action consisting of civil laws and social customs conducted by a Christian nation as a Christian nation, and here's the key part, 
in order to procure for itself both earthly and heavenly good in Christ. There it is. There it is, and there's no issue with that. There's absolutely no issue with that quote because people took issue with heavenly good, but is there no heavenly good in an overtly Christian government, in an overtly Christian nation? And the answer is clearly there is heavenly good in that. There are more Christians in an overtly Christian culture than a culture that persecutes Christianity. That's just really how history has really worked for the church. Does the church not take off in the 4th century and in the 5th century? Does the church not rapidly grow in these conditions? Now, obviously, the 1st century is where the most percentage growth happens because when you go from 120 to 2,000, you're not going to top numbers like that in percentage-wise in the subsequent um, centuries to come. But So when people talk about 1st century Christianity having the highest growth percentage duh there's not gonna be a percentage growth higher than that and because you start out with 120 people in the book of acts so heavenly good happens from these things you see it in scripture with again book of kings second kings first samuel second samuel so much of scripture talks about this and the other thing is that nations reap and sow. And we're going to get into that in the Franklin Graham quote that he has here. Securing for itself earthly good. And very well-known Christian leader Franklin Graham puts it this way. One thing's for sure. Our success as a nation depends on God. Our country can't turn its back on him and expect his hand of blessing to continue. In that statement, the pudding cup is God. We can't turn our back on God because we won't get what we really want, which is blessings. Again, the goal is blessing from God, not God himself. Again, this is, you're, you're twisting someone's words to make something about salvation or personal salvation, really. That's not about personal salvation. I am no fan of Franklin Graham, but what he said there wasn't wrong. If this is about sowing and reaping. If a nation's going to tolerate um, you know, sexual degeneracy, bad things are going to happen. God is not going to reward that nation. If a nation's going to tolerate Moloch-level child sacrifice, bad things are going to happen to that nation. They will and the, you know, again, they're going to reap the natural consequences of sin. And what Sky Jethany doesn't want to accept is are there natural consequences to sin or not? Are there societal consequences for the tolerance of sin or not? Again, we see it in scripture, but obviously their, their argument's going to be that it was ancient Israel. It's not America. It's not a modern nation. But we still see in history that nations with, you know, sexual deviance go by the wayside. They, it doesn't help them out. And it doesn't matter where, like, the bad Roman emperors were the ones who couldn't contain their sex drives and were sexual deviants. Very common trend. So it's a bad argument. It ignores providence. It ignores the fact that there's general revelation that tells us these things, that there are natural blessings from God for living a life of wisdom and that God ultimately is the source of this. He does make cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. 
But God also, there's natural laws written to the fabric of God's providence. And, you know, that is hard work pays off. That's one of them. Uh, you know, the idea that folly and vice lead to decay. And what he's ar- basically arguing is that it's bad to point this out. It's bad to point out that, hey, if our nation, which if you read the Declaration of Independence, invokes God's providence, if we turn away from that, bad things are going to happen. We're going to lose our way as a nation. It's just such a low IQ take. And William Wolfe offers a warning for those who will not follow Christian nationalism. He says, Christianity is the indispensable moral, cultural, social, and spiritual foundation of the United States of America. And if we utterly forget this and lose that foundation, little good will follow. And he's right. There it is again. The good that will follow, the good blessings that will come from following the teachings of Jesus in our national setting. What good follows from abandoning a Christian heritage? From abandoning the religion of your fathers? What good comes from that? It's the religion of your fathers is Christianity, of course. What good comes from that? None. Damnation comes from that. Whether it's securing earthly good for ourselves, national success and power, or the blessings of God for our country, in each of these cases and many more, it's evident that the goal of Christian nationalism is not Jesus. Instead, he is just the pudding cup. Jesus is just the means to achieve what they really want, which is a stronger, more powerful, more successful country. In America, where their tribe of conservative white evangelical Christians There's the race is in control angle again. from top to bottom. That's how Christian nationalism makes cultural and political power into a false god. There's another popular American heresy that operates the exact same way, and it's one that you might be more familiar with, the prosperity gospel. It also simply uses Jesus. It reduces him into a means of achieving some other goal. It says that if you worship Jesus and if you follow biblical principles, well, then God will give you what you really want, success, money, health, and fame. And it's an outrageously popular message in our very religious and very consumeristic culture. So this is where he doesn't understand the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is about tying the work of Jesus Christ, you know, death and resurrection, to worldly wealth and success. And that's the point. That's the heresy in the gospel in the prosperity gospel. It is about attaching wealth, health to the cross. That's not what Jesus died for. Now, is there natural blessings that come from following the financial wisdom to be found in scripture? Actually, let's the answer is yes. But let's go back a step further. Is there financial wisdom in scripture? Yes. Is there natural blessings? that come from following that wisdom. Yes. Are those natural blessings from following the wisdom found in scripture, because wisdom is good. um, Is that tied to salvation? No. So that's the, that is the block that he doesn't have with Christian or Christian nationalism is Christian nationalism. Isn't tying a belief or practice of an ideology to salvation. But here's the difference. A lot of Christians recognize it the to problem works. with the prosperity gospel. They recognize that it's not what Jesus and his apostles preached. 
They get it that the goal of the Christian life isn't really supposed to be money. But when those very same prosperity formulas are applied to something other than money, somehow we lose sight of the problem. We have difficulty recognizing the heresy for which it is. Consider purity culture. The purity culture movement, or what Caitlin Beatty calls the sexual prosperity gospel, told millions of Christian teenage boys that if they remain celibate, and it told many millions of Christian teenage girls that if they remain modest, then God would reward them with fantastic marriages and satisfying sex lives. In that form of the prosperity gospel, following Christian sexual ethics is the pudding cup. The real goal is satisfying sex lives and great marriages. Again, this is a bad faith argument against uh, purity culture, as it's called, because it's it treats it as the goal of this movement is good sex and good marriages. And that's not necessarily the goal of this movement. Is it biblical obedience? But they're, again, using wisdom because, again, the providential hand of God and the nat natural uh, laws that are written into creation is that sexual degeneracy doesn't lead to good marriages. Uh, we can talk about pornography and how devast devastating that is for marriage and sex life. And how all these dudes need uh, boner pills because they watch so much porn. And they're 30 or something like that. There's clear wisdom in that. It's not unbiblical to point it out. It's not a false gospel to point that out. Or what about the Gothard movement? Bill Gothard and his ultra-fundamentalist Institute for Basic Life Principles. He taught millions of parents that if they just use his biblical principles, then their children would grow up to be obedient and godly Christians. In this case, the pudding cup is using biblical principles, but the real goal was not Jesus. The real goal was having perfect children. In a way, it was just the parenting prosperity gospel. Each of these movements looks really Christian. They look Christian because they use Christian language and they reference the Bible. The prosperity a lot. gospel but in does each not case, look Christian. The goal isn't really Jesus. Instead, he's just the pudding cup. He's just a means to get what they really want. Creflo Dollar money, does not or look success, Christian. Or a great marriage, or satisfying sex, or perfect kids, or, in the case of Christian nationalism, political and cultural power. Christian nationalism is just the same old American heresy, but with a new goal. It isn't what Jesus taught. It's not what the apostles preached. It's not the mission of the church we read in the New Testament. And it isn't the surrender of power that we see in the cross. It guarantees God's blessing. Okay, if we go back to the Matthew 28, the Great Commission, baptizing all nations. We're going to teach the nations. We're going to baptize the nations. What does that necessarily entail? What are the means of our disposal to achieve that outcome? Are only pastors supposed to advance the gospel through the preaching of the God's word? As Rick Warren kind of advocates, and that's why he argues for women pastors, which I believe uh, Holy Post has no issues with that. Or, you know, are fathers supposed to lead Christian households? Uh, pastors supposed to lead Christian churches? People in general supposed to lead Christian self-controlled lives? And then Christian rulers are to lead Christian nations, establish Christian nations. So all tools are at our disposal for the spreading of the gospel. Public and private. Civil arena and the church arena as well. So 
My thoughts on that. Blessing for our whole nation if we would just put the right people in power and pass the right biblical laws. And that's why millions of American Christians are eagerly embracing Christian nationalism. But you need to remember this. Any message in which Jesus is the means but not the goal is not true Christianity. It's idolatry. And that's why Christian nationalism may claim it's trying to make America more Christian when in fact it's doing exactly the opposite. All right, so just listen to Sky Jethany and, you know, have him pontificate about, you know, side B theology or deconstruction and all that other stuff that he glorifies and glamorizes on his channel. So, again, Christian nationalism is about Christian works and Christian ethics applied in the civil arena. It is not about um, promising salvation uh, and it's not about transactionally trying to achieve blessings these are just things that result from it but it's not the goal it's about what are christians supposed to do in these arenas what is good what is right what is true what is beautiful and that's what sky just he's missing but again i don't consider sky a christian um he's a libtard and that's really all i got to say about that and his low iq video have a blessed day we will catch you on the next one